0: focus in this week this uh, thy kingdom come this emphasis of prayer that that we're sharing together for a few days we're going to consider tonight what it means really at the start of the lord's prayer there to to pray those words our father Um, we just read the lord's prayer together um, the version from from matthew's gospel i'm just going to read these first few words jesus said this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word, Father, at the start of it, I don't know what image brings to your mind when I say the word Father. For some of you, it might be a sort of a, an idyllic image like this on the screen, that sort of thing. Or maybe more realistically, something like this. <clears throat> Or perhaps you think of a famous father, um, one of the one of the one of the greats. This guy, or perhaps the word "father" just always instills this image in your mind. That's for me, I realise um, for some people, the word "father" might not be um, the most sort of um, positive word in your vocabulary. It might not be the word that you naturally associate with with goodness or with God. Um, you might have mixed feelings because you know, yes, we we tend to associate the word Father with love and protection and affection and things like that. But, but for others, um, some of us might associate that word with loss and pain, or with criticism, or with even abuse and, and abandonment. And that might be because of the experience that you've had of your earthly Father, but tonight we're gonna be looking at our Heavenly Father. When Jesus was asked this question, you know, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray he told them and he tells us to start by by coming to our father that's how we're to start and as we start tonight i want to ask you what's your relationship with your heavenly father like right now just reflect back over the last few days this week have you been in touch with him have you felt close to him have you had any conversations have you spent any time together For some of us here who are here tonight it might be that your relationship with your heavenly father right now is in a great place um, in which i hope in which case i hope tonight really um, enriches that further but for others here it might be that perhaps you don't feel that way perhaps you feel like your relationship with your father your heavenly father has been a bit neglected recently and for some of you it might be that you don't even see god that way the idea that he's this father in heaven. You can't get your head around that. And, and, and if that's the case, I'm gonna start in a place that hopefully will be helpful to you, but I think helpful for all of us by considering this first question. So what is this father like? What's he like? What does the Bible say about him? Um, and I think the, the, before we even do that, the first thing that I think I have to highlight is that I think it's inevitable that our, um, our view of our heavenly father is inevitably influenced by our view of our earthly fathers, because we look at him through that lens in a way, and so for example, my experience of my earthly father has been pretty positive, I'm really fortunate in that sense, my dad is great, he's Mr. Stable, he's protective, Um, he's a provider, Um, and and I believe that he could probably take any of your dads in a quiz about the UK road and rail network. Because has anybody got that kind of dad? It's just like a human sat you know, it's unbelievable. If I tell, if I go away on holiday and I ring my dad up, he doesn't want to know what we did or what I did with the kids, just wants to know what route I took. And, um, and when I say, sort of, dad, I just followed the sat I've no idea what route, he looks at me as if he's slightly doubtful that he did bring the right baby home from the, from the hospital. So, but overall, my dad is great. And as a kid, I thought he was literally all-knowing, um, but of course there comes a day, there comes a point in life where we realise that our earthly fathers aren't perfect, and similarly for those of us who are dads, um, those of us who are fathers, there are a point, there's also a point where we realise, isn't there, that, that we're not going to be perfect. Um, usually, you know, it happens right at the start when we can't figure out how to assemble the IKEA cot. We realize I'm not gonna be the, the perfect dad. And um, I am keenly aware of my shortcomings as a father. Just like a little example a while ago, I took my little boy um, to the park on a Wednesday afternoon. Wednesdays is daddy daycare day in the bodily household. And so we're there at the park and he just, he, he just gets into this massive tantrum, this big strop. And um, every parenting choice, everything I say just seems to escalate the situation. It's getting worse and worse. And there's this sort of group of mums that are there, and I can just see them watching me. And um, mums, by the way, that is quite sort of unsettling when you do that. And they're saying things like, sort of helpful things like, oh, someone's not happy, are they? And I'm like, that helps. And eventually, (laughs) eventually, one of them came over and said to me, I bet you'd rather be at work, wouldn't you? And half of me thought, that is so sexist in this day and age. But the other half of me thought, yes. <laughs> yes, I absolutely would. So I think most of us would admit that, that we're not perfect as fathers, but, but, but for some of you in this room, for some of us in this room, your experiences of fathers or fatherhoods might be a bit more broken than that. And the reality is that that this is a big um, fatherlessness and poor fathers um, are causing, it's, it's a major issue in our, in our nation. There are some startling statistics out there about the impact on our society of poor or absent fathers. Um, and anybody here tonight who, who is a single mum, you will know more than any of us that raising children alone is, is twice the challenge. And I'm sure that's especially true if, 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 if you try to do that, if somebody's trying to do that outside the support and the, and, and, and the community of a church. But this is a big problem for our nation. Um, there's a, a, an independent think tank called um, the, the Centre for Social Justice. And in 2013, they produced a report called Fractured Families with, with some really scary statistics in it. it, suggested that 92% of lone parents in the UK, 92% are single mothers and between one and two million children in the UK are growing up without meaningful contact with their father. An, an earlier report of theirs suggested that 70% of young offenders come from broken homes. And like I said, you know there are, some, there are some fantastic single parents in this country and many, I'm sure, in this room. We celebrate the parents that you are, but I think it's clear, isn't it, that, that this, we live in a society that's in something of a crisis, really. Of, of, of fatherhood issues, especially in deprived areas, especially in poor areas, and in those, in those areas we're seeing a whole generation of young people growing up who are wounded by poor fathering. And we need to be careful not to project that situation or other, other negative situations around um, our earthly fathers, we, we need to be careful not to project those things onto our perspective of our heavenly Father, in fact, I think quite the opposite, that situation points to the truth that more than ever our nation needs to turn to our heavenly Father. We need, as a nation, um, for, for, to see and uh, to, for, for everyone to see who he is and what he can do for us. And I think that's one of the reasons why this, this prayer initiative this week, "Thy Kingdom come," we're getting on our knees in prayer together, is important, because we're praying for the nation that they would come to know him and understand what he's like. So what is our Heavenly Father like? Well, there's loads of stuff in the Bible about him, um, but for me, um, I think perhaps the most sort of vivid um, picture and most famous image that we get of his heart um, is is the story that Jesus told one day about the prodigal son. Um, that's in, in, in chapter 15 of Luke's gospel. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story. Um, it's the story of this... Um, there's this wayward, arrogant son who, um, it's despicable what he does, he goes to his dad and he says, dad, rather than me wait until you die and I get my inheritance then, why don't you just give it to me now? That's how sort of callous he is and greedy, but he's, he's, his father gives him the money, he goes off, he blows it all on fast living, he hits rock bottom, and um, in that place he realises that... His relationship with his, with his family, his father, is probably broken, but perhaps if he goes home with his tail between his legs, um, his dad will take him in just as a servant. And I'm going to pick up the story, um, in, as I say, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to the father, "So so the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's... Have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I think that is a picture of what our Heavenly Father is like. He's gracious. He's forgiving. He's patient. He's generous. He never gives up on lost causes. And in answer to that question, ultimately you can see he's good, isn't he? he's a good father, like that song that we sing here on a Sunday sometimes. And I realize for some of you, it might be really hard to buy into that, to really know that, especially if you've had, you know, bad experiences of your father, especially if you've had bad experiences in life. It can be hard to trust this this father in the sky. But I believe that it's only as we come to know him, it's only as we begin to experience those good qualities in our real life that we can really learn to trust and believe them. Um, if you were here last week, um, on, on, on the services last week in the morning, um, one of a, 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 a guy who was part of this church called Dave Ellis um, shared some of his experience working in this drug and al- alcohol um, rehabilitation centre called the Carpenter's Arms. It's an amazing place, and he was sharing some stories about that place. Um, and in, if you were here, here last week in the evening, two of the guys. Um, from the carpenter's arms, got, 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 got baptized here. And it was amazing to see that happen. Um, and, and from conversations that I've had with carpenter's staff um, over, over sort of like the last months or years, really, I've, I've picked up that one of the themes that they often see there that occurs in the lives of so many of the men that they meet is that they had a negative experience with their earthly father growing up. Not always, but often. But that negative experience has been healed and transformed as they've come to know their Heavenly Father and what He's like. And this week, um, Dave, who I mentioned, sort of talked about that, talked about the issue of of fathers uh, with them. And here are some of the thoughts that they sent through. One of them um, recalled, my earthly father disciplined physically, and he wasn't always there. But my Heavenly Father leads me in a subtle way, and he is always there. He provides for me, and he teaches me. Another one of them observed, my earthly father lacks emotion. I love him, but I don't like him. They said, my heavenly father makes me feel cared for and loved, he teaches me how to not repeat mistakes and be a good father myself. Another one said, my earthly father was different to me. There was no emotional connection. He was justified by work, but my heavenly father he was looking after me all, all the way back then, and he loves me unconditional, unconditionally. The more I know about God, the more I learn to be a father and love my own father. If we come to know, if we come to experience these things, we realize, what's he like? He's good. So how do we do that? How do we get to know him? How do we come to the father? That's the question that we're gonna look at and um, for the rest of our time together tonight, really. Now, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, I just want to ask a question. Who, who learnt that prayer when you were a kid growing up? Just pop your hands up if you learnt that prayer. Loads of us did, didn't we? And, um, and I think because, do you ever feel like when you're saying it, you're almost on a little bit of autopilot? You know, those first two words, our Father, are almost like an introduction, really, and then you're into the other bit, and you just go through it, it's got a rhythm to it. But I just want to slow down for a second and consider what we're saying. Those two words, our Father... And then think about the next two, in heaven. It's crazy that, that, that we get to approach this God who's in heaven in this intimate way. When you think about who he is, um, if you listen to this, this little verse from Psalm 90, it gives us just a glimpse of what this God is like. Psalm 90, verse two. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God. That's the awesome God that we get to call Father. I think we can, we, can, we can lose sight of how incredible that is. I think it might help to, to emphasize this, to point out that, that this was something that, that people struggled to get their head around in a way when Jesus first taught this prayer. I think those two words, our Father, would have startled people a little bit because um, for, the, for the Jewish audience that Jesus spoke to in his day, um, their lens, their view of God centered around the the name that they that they generally use for god yahweh um, which is you know throughout the 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 old testament the the, which was the 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 scriptures that they had sort of like this first chunk of the bible they often talked about god as yahweh which means i am and as one of the names of god it kind of captures and communicates and emphasizes um, his his eternal existence like i am um, and it kind of captures his something of his might and his majesty as the creator and the sustainer of the universe. It inspires awe as a name, and it reminds us how holy, how utterly holy God is. That was who they prayed to. So they, they didn't call him Father in their prayers. I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have probably found that quite appropriate in a, in a way. Now. The idea that God was father was, was not totally unfamiliar to them, in, in a sense, because about 15 times in the Old Testament, um, God is referred to as a father, but not so much in this personal sense. It's more like he was described as the father of the nation of Israel, or he was described as the father of certain key figures, like Abraham, or the father of creation. So that was, you know, the first sense that, that God was talked about as a father, but, but Jesus was doing it in a different way. It was, it was personal. He was saying, yeah, Yahweh, he's my father. You might know all about him, but I, I actually know him. And it wasn't just something that he said a few times. He said, he, 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 he talked. He said, he, he, <laughs> he used this word about 150 times in the New Testament. It was the way he talked about God all the time. And 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 to be just to really emphasise this, the word he, the exact word he used. A little bit of a language lesson here, but most of you will know this, but the the New Testament, so sort of like this chunk of the Bible at the other end, um, is mostly written in Greek, okay? That was how it was captured when it was first written down. Um, And then we obviously read a translation of that Greek into English. But Jesus wouldn't have spoken in Greek. He would have spoken in in Aramaic, which was this sort of um, derivative of Hebrew um so there's three different languages involved captured here in this little chart here so there's Jesus chatting away in Aramaic somebody wrote it down in Greek and then we read it translated into English okay everybody got that and what's interesting is that there's one or two places in the Gospels and in the New Testament where the writer actually decided to capture the actual Aramaic word that Jesus would have used originally so not a not a Greek translation but the actual word he used and so, on three occasions, the word Father comes to us in the New Testament, not as a Greek translation, but as this Aramaic word, Abba. And most scholars agree that whenever Jesus refers or, or prays or talks to the Father, this is the word he would have used, Abba, an Aramaic word. And so it deserves, I think it deserves a little bit of special attention, because it's, it's almost like this, um, this sort of little piece of Jesus history that's been, you know, wrapped up in bubble wrap and protected for 2,000 years so that we can un- unwrap it and experience not, not a translation, but the actual word that Jesus used. So it's quite special. So what does it mean? Well, "apper" was, was an everyday word that people would have used for their father. Um, at one point, um, a lot of people used to think that it was, it was kind of like a, a babyish word that like, little toddlers like, would use, like dada or something like that. But, but most people seem to think now that it was a word actually that, that adults would have used as well as children. <clears throat> so if we wanted to find out a sort of a Nottingham equivalent for today, we'll just do a little bit of a survey now. Say you ring up that person, your, your biological parent who's male, uh, and you, 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 what's the word, who, who here would say hello father? Just pop your hands up if that's how you'd start that conversation. Okay, so not many. Who here would say um, hello daddy? A few of you, yeah, yep. Yeah, so that's what, that would be a good translation for you. Who here would say hello dad? Okay, most of the people in the room would say hello dad. There might be a few others. Anybody would say sir? <laughs> no? Does anybody do that thing where you um, where you call, go on, hey, a dad. up hey, dad or des? <laughs> oh, a hey, up dad. Yeah, very them, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, does anybody call their dad like his actual name, like Jeff or whatever? You do that, yeah. My uh, little boy Barney, he's tried that out a few times, um, and he has been has been quashed. He uh, <laughs> he goes, Abby. Um, Abby, in fact, was saying to him the other day. I heard her saying, Bonnie, you call me mum or mummy, you do not call me Abby, and you certainly do not call me Abzie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's funny. But anyway, sounds like for most of us, the word would be dad, okay? So that means that it would be fair in this specific context, if we were looking at this, like a passage like this one from Mark's gospel, where Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, come up on the screens, we could read that as dad he said "Everything's possible for you take this cup from me yet not what i will but you will in that in that intimate moment when jesus was had had sort of the cross bearing down on him imminently in front of him he spoke to his dad in heaven and i think this this word that he used is an example of why A lot of the stuff that jesus said often jarred with people why it was so controversial a lot of the time because he he turned people's view of god upside down and he went even further because because he also he made it clear that that god could be looked at as a father not just not just in this um this general creator of the universe sense and not just as jesus's father but he also suggested to his followers yahweh is your father too you can call him father You know, um, the Lord's Prayer um, that we read earlier is taken from Matthew's Gospel in in the Sermon on the Mount, a few chapters of just this big um, series of Jesus teaching. And one of the things, if you read that in one go, that you notice is that um, Jesus uses this phrase, Father, a lot. He he talks about praying to the Father. He says, you know, this, your Father, quite a few times. And and, and I think that's one of the themes. It was a very, he was challenging the Hebrew view of, of Yahweh and, and sort of saying, actually, this is much more personal. This is much more of a relationship. And of course, in the Lord's prayer, he explicitly instructed us, you can call him Father too. This is how you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I think this would have been too radical for many of the audience to take in at the time. They carried around this sense that they weren't really holy enough, that they weren't really worthy enough to stand in his presence, to know God in that personal way. And the thing is about that is that I think they were actually right. I think they were right about that. I think this is something that's true for all of us really, that none of us really are worthy to call God, to call Yahweh our dad, I know I'm not, if I look at my, if I reflect on my life, the decisions I make, the things I do, the things I say, the things I think, there's no part of me that could honestly say, you know, in light of who I am, I consider myself worthy to be in his family. I consider myself worthy to be his son, to call him dad. I don't think anyone truly thinks that highly of themselves. In fact, actually, as I engage in that little moment of self-reflection, I'm more inclined, to resonate with the words of the prodigal son who concluded in Luke 15, 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I know that's true of me. So how is it possible? Why did Jesus tell us that we could? And this really is the crux of the whole thing. A couple of Bible verses spell it out for us. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But... When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Another one from John's Gospel, chapter one, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, that's Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. How is it possible? It's through Jesus. In fact, Jesus explained this too. Again, in John's Gospel, chapter 14, said, no one comes to the Father except through me. This was, this was Jesus' mission on earth. This was the reason for the cross to repair the path to Eden, the path between us and our broken, sinful lives back into the presence. relationship with the father so how do we come to the father we come to him through the son our right to become children of god cost the blood of jesus and when we reach that point in our lives where we where we realize our need for repentance where we turn to jesus and we ask him to lead us in life as we acknowledge all that he did for us on the cross we receive in that moment as we make that decision the right to call ourselves children of God we become adopted into the family and that's why at that moment whenever we pray these words our father they carry a whole new level of meaning a whole new significance I think it's incredible in a way the message of the gospel is kind of embedded here into these first two words of the Lord's Prayer because we only have the privilege Of praying those words our father in light of what jesus did for us on the cross that's why from the lips of a christian these two words are words that we should use i think with with a degree of 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 reverence and gratitude and intimacy and i hope that tonight is a bit of a reminder and for us to use them in, in in light of that but i hope also that today is an opportunity for some of you To start using those words in this new way in a new light it might be for some of you here you're you're on a journey of exploring faith and you're wondering you know is god my father do i believe in him do i belong to him and i believe that if that's you then god is using tonight to speak to you and say yes i am your father and i long for you to call me that he longs for you to come to him. The invitation is there, it's there, it's, it's, it's there right now. I, I recently enjoyed reading a book called I Dared to Call Him Father. It was written some time ago by a lady called Begum Sheik, I think that's how you pronounce her name, um, a Pakistani lady from um, an upper um, class Muslim background. She started to follow Jesus in, in the late 60s um, after a series of dreams and visions that she had about Jesus where she encountered him, she saw Bible verses, crazy stuff like that. And eventually, um, she, she went on this journey of exploring faith. It was a really dangerous thing to, for her to do. Um, you know, her family ostracized for her for it. It was, you know, a really difficult thing. But she had this conviction and it felt real. But she didn't know anything about Christianity. And one night, she had to take her grandson to hospital and she found herself in a conversation with a, um, a Christian nun who was a doctor in the hospital who noticed that she was carrying a Bible around with her. She started asking questions, and they got into a conversation. I'm just gonna read a little bit from the book. She reflected, or she said to her, I must find God, but I'm confused about your faith. I realized that even as I spoke, I was putting my finger on something important. You seem to make God so, I don't know, personal. The little nun's eyes filled with compassion and she leaned forward. She said with her voice full of emotion, there is only one way to find out why we feel this way, and that is to find out for yourself. Strange as that may seem, why don't you pray to the God that you're searching for? Ask him to show you his way. Talk to him as if he were your friend. I smiled. She might as well suggest that I talk to the Taj Mahal, but then she said something that shot through my being like electricity. She leaned closer, and she took my hand in hers, tears streaming down her cheeks. Talk to him, she said, very quietly, as if he were your father. That struck her, and it got her thinking. And later that night, she was reflecting on it and wondering, and I'll continue her, her record. She said, suppose God were like a father. If my earthly father would put aside everything to listen to me, wouldn't my heavenly father? Shaking with excitement, I got out of bed, sank to my knees on the rug, looked up to heaven, and in rich new understanding called God my father. I was not prepared for what happened. There and then in her bedroom, she had um, an encounter where she felt the father's presence. Um, she met the Holy Spirit, and it it just transformed her whole life. It's a really good book, by the way, you should read it. But the reason that I wanted to share a little bit of that story is because I think sometimes we can make our relationship with God more complicated than it is. We can get caught up wondering exactly how we're supposed to do this. How do I approach this father? And, And will he want to see me after the things that I've done this week? what are the words that I'm supposed to use to speak to him? But I think this story is an example of something that the Bible really makes clear, and that is that God longs for us to approach him really just like a child. How do we come to the Father? We come to him through the Son, but we also come to him like a child. You know, Think about this woman. She knew nothing about the Bible. She knew barely anything about Christianity. At that point, she hadn't really done anything for God but he longed to meet her. And a bit like um, in the parable of the prodigal son, to borrow um, a a sentence from there, while she was still a long way off, the father saw her, was filled with compassion for her, and ran to his daughter. He threw his arms around her and kissed her. And I think this, this whole thing of approaching the father like a child is something that, especially those of us who've been Christians for a while, we need reminding of every now and again, don't we? Because I think what happens often when we start to follow Jesus over the years, we get that little bit wiser, we learn more Bible verses and stuff like that, and we learn how to pray in flowery language, which is all you know very well and good. But I think if, we, if we're not careful, and I know I do this sometimes, we forget that he wants, he wants us to come to him like a child. He wants us to come to him like a child. You know, I'd imagine that if, um, if you're anything like me, there'll be some of you who I'm sure are listening to this tonight, and pretty early on in the story, you thought, yeah, I know what he's on about tonight. He's on about the father of the, the Father heart of God. I've got it. I've heard, heard talks like this before. Sorted, yeah, I know, I, I get it. I get it. And if that's you, um, I wanna suggest that if that's the way you're feeling, you know, if you, if you think, if you ever get yourself into that place where you think, yeah, I've got my head around it, I understand it, then I think you're potentially, quite probably, actually missing out on something. Because I don't think we should ever get a head around this. It's ridiculous, it's crazy that we get to call him Father, the creator of the universe. He's holy, he's mighty, he's awesome, he's incredible. And we get to call him Dad. It's absolutely nuts. And I think that's something that should always surprise us. It should always amaze us. And we should always be thankful for it. So if you're here tonight, whether you've, if you've never called him Father, or whether it's been a while since you have, I, I, I want to encourage you to, to do that. We're going to create some space to do that in a moment. So come to our Father like a child. But as we do, one final thing I want to say is that we will invite the Holy Spirit to bless and affirm that relationship. Because the final little thing I wanna say in answer to that question, how do we come to the Father? I believe we come to him through the Son. He's the one that makes the way. We come to him like a child. That's the dynamic of our relationship. And we come to him by the Spirit. In Romans chapter eight, we read verse 16, that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, if, you're ever, if you ever find yourself a bit like that lady in the story, wondering, how, 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 could I, how, could I, how could I do this relationship? How could I get to know him? Or if you're wondering, how can I build my relationship with the Father? How can I know God more? Even, even if you're asking, how can I rekindle the relationship with God that I once had? I think this, this verse is really important from Romans because it reminds us that it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to our heart and helps us to know the Father. It strikes me a little bit like, um, if you think for a second of, I'm sure everyone's got a friend who you trust the most, whose opinion you really value. You know that kind of friend? If you've got a new girlfriend, you, take, you, you sort of sh- you, you know, introduce her, uh, and, and you wanna know what that guy thinks, or the other way around, if it's, a, if it's a boyfriend. And if they're like, she's not the one, you're like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Or that kind of friend who like, you're like, have I got bad breath? And they'll give you a straight answer. A true friend, you know the kind of thing? I think when we ask this question, am I a child of God, am I really? When we ask this question in the quiet of the night, when you're there praying, are you there, Father? Are you actually there? In those moments, the Holy Spirit is that trusted friend for us. He's the one that speaks to our heart in those moments and he nods affirmation and he speaks to our heart and he'll do it tonight if you ask him. In fact, just before that verse in Romans, it says, it's by the Spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. This prayer, our Father, we pray those words through Jesus, like a child, and by the Spirit. And So if you don't know if you could call him Dad, invite the Holy Spirit into that and he'll help you to to discover that. If you feel there might be barriers that get in the way, You might feel like your shame has built up too big a barrier for you to come to know the Father. If that's you, invite the Holy Spirit. If you have a sense of doubt, invite in the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. For some of you, the barrier might be your relationship with your Father. It's just wounded you too much. Or it might be your own um, experience of being a Father. You're carrying around guilt about the the Father that you've been, and perhaps you know you could have been better. There'll be different barriers for different ones of us in the room. But the thing that I wanna say is that none of those things need to hold you back right now. In fact, none of those things need to hold you back ever. There is no barrier between you and the Father that hasn't been pulled down by what Jesus did on the cross. And the Holy Spirit is always there ready to help us find our way to him. So let's spend some time with our Father right now. If you're able to, why don't you stand and um, let's just welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And just in your mind, in your heart, cry out to that Father. Pray that our Father Speak to Abba Father, your dad in heaven.